Hey everybody, this is Martin and you're listening to Healing Together, a podcast that connects you to me and some of my amazing friends, where we hope that our stories will bring you comfort, inspiration and healing. I want to give you a behind the scenes view of people's lives, both the ordinary and extraordinary. And I think that you will realize that most often moving through struggle relies on finding a way to shine a light on some of the darkest corners of your heart. And through this, we can build strength and therefore remain open, kind and grateful. So, welcome to the podcast and we are on episode 12 of the Healing Together podcast. Thank you everybody for the various and numerous messages that I received in response to the last two podcast episodes that we shared with Bethany and Claire. There's definitely been a lot of interesting conversation around those two episodes and I'll be collating that with some previous episodes feedback in a feedback episode that I'll be sharing in the next couple of weeks. Um, But once again, thank you everybody for your ongoing support of the podcast and the guests that um, are are brave and uh, inspiring in sharing their stories. And today we have a wonderful guest for you and her name is Sin and I'm going to hand over to Sin in a moment to introduce herself and start to share her story but to let you know what to expect in terms of uh, Sin's story we're going to be covering grief and depression as well as how to recognize when depression might be coming in. Also what I imagine will be quite an interesting conversation around vulnerability. Uh, Sin and I have had some interesting conversations around that. Um, And how maybe all of that can help one rediscover all parts of themselves. And uh, another really key aspect of this conversation is that Sin uh, has been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so we're going to have a discussion about that and really all that comes with that, that, you know, is, is not easy, but then also some of the good parts as well and, and how that can help Sin and maybe you find ways of acknowledging the good in yourself. So um, I'm really excited for this one. And uh, how are you feeling, Sin? I don't know if I'm brave and inspiring, but I'm here. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Oh, well, you, it's really appreciated that you are here. And uh, as I'm sure the listener will uh, pick up, um, there's a bit of a theme in, in our relationship of me uh, offering my sense of you being brave, inspiring, awesome, all of these wonderful things and uh, having to help you realise that. <laughs> I just needed, I needed to play it on a loop in my head, on a tape loop, all these <laughs> lovely things. Well, I, I can definitely um, be that for you while we're talking anyway. So Excellent. Uh, I'm looking forward to the listener 
hopefully uh, feeling some of what I feel about you when they hear your story. So um, before I hand over to you to, um, to go into that in a bit more detail, I always like to settle myself and any guests in by just taking a few breaths just to allow us to come into a calm and centred place to be able to get the most out of this conversation. And so um, anybody that's listening and sin, either sitting up tall, the spine nice and straight, or if you want to lie down, then do that too. Um, anybody that's operating any machinery or driving, then maybe save this for later on as you'll need your attention. And just closing down the eyes, as long as that feels okay for you. And relaxing the forehead, the jaw, the shoulders heart nice and soft and taking your attention down into your belly, softening the belly. And we're just gonna take three lovely deep breaths going all the way down into the belly. So inhaling through the nose, right down, filling up the lungs from the bottom, the middle and the top and sighing out the exhalation through the mouth, feeling everything contract settling deeper into your seat. Another nice fresh breath in through the nose, nice and full, seeing if you can sip a little more air in, filling up and exhaling, softening. One more time, nice big breath in through the nose. And let it go. gently opening the eyes. There we are again. Okay. I could just do that all day. <laughs> Love breath work. The simpler, the better for me. Um, okay, Sin. So tell us a bit more about you and your story, please. Well, I'm 64 years old. I am originally from New York. And now I live in a beautiful little village south of Carlisle with more sheep than people. Mm -hmm. So it's been a bit of an adjustment, but I've been here 21 years. And uh, the reason I came was I met a wonderful man while I was working as a tour manager. He became my husband and we were together for 20 years until his death in 2020. And uh, that's about it. That's, that's me. So how do you find living uh, where you do, given where you've come? I mean, I know you've been here 20 years, but how have you found uh, the the adjustment to living here? And I think I'm still adjusting. <laughs> <laughs> 20 uh, <years. laughs> I think you do adjust. And I think that's that's a really powerful part of people that they don't acknowledge. You can adjust just about anything. And I was coming for all the right reasons for love. And people were very kind to me right from the start. And I thought that would wear off. I thought that would, you know, it's just because I was a newbie, but really people right across the board have been very kind. And uh, it's my, my second home. So you, you do consider this to be as much home as, as you do where you're from originally now? I don't think I'd say as much. There's okay. just that little tweet. I'm, I'm, New York will always, the United States will always be my, my first home, but this runs a close second. Oh. Well, that's really nice to hear, and um, we're very lucky to have you um, in uh, in this country. Uh, and so you mentioned there 
about your husband and and he passed in 2020 um i know that's the point where um it kind of started the journey perhaps towards you and i um beginning our relationship and and we mentioned about grief there at the uh, at the top with the the themes so um that might be a good place for us to start in terms of yeah sharing. i think i think grief is such a a personal thing it's very hard to describe your own grief to anyone but i find it interesting to hear other people talk about grief because sometimes you can just glean one little thing from them and that will that will do you well. well. Years ago, when my mother passed away, I was having trouble because I could only picture her in the latest stages of her life. Mm. And when some person who also lost a loved one said, if you can, if a picture comes to your mind of those later days, it's so unfair to her because she had such a vibrant life. So try to replace it as immediately with a, a picture of her as you knew her most of your life. And I found that really, really helpful. It was just a, a, a little idea, but it helped me through. And of course, when Brian died, that's a, that's a whole different dynamic. When you lose your life partner, you feel like a little of you dies as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, those, those little nuggets that you, you, um, I think it's maybe about being seen you know being able to be seen by somebody else's words and and then see yourself and kind of go yeah that's what's going on for me that's helpful for me and it can be consuming it can <laughs> it can really take you over and i think you have to you have to realize what your triggers are um i mean i had pictures of brian all over the house and then i realized every time i looked i was struck with great sadness okay. so i just gradually, just gradually would take a few down. And it's not that you want to forget the person by all means, it's just the opposite, but it can be, it can be like a wave. It can take you over. And I think you have to somehow or another harness the power so it doesn't take you over, but it's easier said than done. I mean, somebody once said, uh, well, a lot of people have said uh, that grief is the price that you pay for love. and. Kind heard of that and we we had a full 20 years together it really was a love story so I paid a big price but I wouldn't change a thing and given where you're at now you know a couple of years on since since um since he passed and and the the I guess the process processes that you've been through would you have been able do you think to have said that um, you know, that price, um, I'm, I'm, I will pay this price because of what we had. Do you think that would have always been the case that you would have said that earlier on in your grief? I do think so, because it was such a special relationship. And I think I would have paid anything, any price in grief or any other way to have had what I had with, with Brian. Mm -hmm. And so I, 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 I do think that time does help a lot you know it doesn't heal at all you, you don't want it to heal everything but the, the luxury of time passing just puts things in a little bit more perspective and I think having the two years you know you you there's so many songs that say I die without you 
you don't die with when someone dies. A little part of you may go. You may feel a little part of you is gone, but you go. You go on, and you have to figure out how you can go on, and how you can find yourself again. Yeah, even though a big part of you has gone. Yeah, it does. It feels like you've lost an arm or a leg, or you know. It's just it's indescribable. The person that you cared for the most that you wake up next to each morning and share your triumphs and tragedies is gone. And it's just a, a stark realization, but he's, he's with me all the time. I mean, I'm not a spiritual person, but I always feel his presence wherever I am. Yeah. And I, I do wonder if that is how in part <clears throat> that person and that part of you that was connected to that person maybe comes back after the initial blow of them not being here in the same form, almost as if, it, yeah. if you grow a different kind of arm or something and it, and it becomes a new way of being together. It just, the, the circumstances of Brian's death was <coughs> during COVID. And of course, everybody's has had experiences with that. We couldn't really have a proper funeral and he's, his life certainly deserved being heard about. So about a year and a half later, we had a celebration of his life. And it truly was a celebration of his life. People came from all aspects of it. I, I made a speech of my own. And I could do it then because I had, I had the luxury of breathing, going through the process. But mm -hmm. you, I definitely had a different perspective at that point. And I feel just happy that I had him in my life, really. Well, I think that's a testament to how much you have acknowledged the truth of what's going on for you and that you have attended to enough of it to be able to access that again, that which was always there, you know, and, and maybe the, the pain that you felt and, and the, the transition that you had to go through was kind of a layer on top of being able to access that again. Sure, that's right. I'm sure that's right. And I think... <laughs> It affords you just to be able to look at, at how just how good it was. And when you look back and all you can do is smile, that says something about your life. It's so nice to hear. It's yeah. really, really nice to hear. Um, so for anybody going through that, just try to bear in mind that there is some light at the end of the tunnel. And when you're first going through it, you, you can't see it at all. But then just glimmers come bit by bit so hang just, on as, you, as you're going through this dark tunnel just wait the glimmers of light will come even when you don't think they will they will music helped me uh it, it's always a good therapy for me and I, I, sometimes just listening to lyrics gives you a different perspective talking with people who knew him, sharing stories, um, looking at pictures. We, we did traveling together so much and just looking at the, those pictures just brings me back to the happiness that we had. Those were my therapies. So these kind of connections back to him and, yeah. and, and you both, uh, your relationship and... And, you know, we'll just be living our life and something will, something will strike me and the phrase of Brian's will come into my head. And, and this now I laugh and smile instead of break down. But you can break down as well. You, you just have to 
get through all the emotions. Yeah. Sometimes they surprise you. Sometimes the least little thing will set me off. But I'm only only human, so. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, some of those parts of being human, you know, are difficult. And I guess we have to find ways of of being okay with that. Somehow. As you know, I'm not vulnerable was always a very dirty word in my vocabulary i never wanted to be i never wanted to be referred to as vulnerable and martin has changed a lot of my thinking about that and sometimes it's not so bad to be vulnerable i never thought i'd say that those words well, <laughs> can i just get the fanfare out here my goodness <laughs> it's it took me quite a long time to see that and i sometimes still struggle with it but it was a revelation. Oh, yes. I I remember I was, I, was, I mean, I, I often will say I enjoy working hard and it's not said with um, any sense of resentment or anything. You know, I, I like to work hard. But I remember that first conversation around, so are you aware of someone called Brene Brown? She talks about vulnerability being courageous and there's power in it and it's connecting and I could see the look on your face. I was, I was horrified. Me, vulnerable? What insult. I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> We're not vulnerable. Uh, well... Actually, you know, we, we can come on to perhaps some of the, the benefits of, of acknowledging vulnerability and <clears throat> softness, maybe darkness, whatever we want to call it. Um, but actually, that, that, that really felt like a realistic challenge to your, um, the, the, you know, was, where you come it, from. It, and this it was idea. a huge challenge, a huge challenge, because, you know, I'm not the kind of person who likes to admit any sort of weakness. And with Parkinson's, of course, I, I, I've been forced to acknowledge my weaknesses physically, but it's it wasn't something that I ever thought of would be good therapy for me, but it ended up being eye-opening. Mm, yeah. People can't help you unless they know you're hurting. And I was quite closed-mouthed about things that I was hurting about in general, but um you can't expect them to be a mind reader. And so admitting a bit of vulnerability, as much as I hated it, did reap some benefits. And I I think our relationship and the context, um, you know, for, for, for anyone that's listening, it may um, have, have been obvious before now, but Sin and I did some work together through um, my counselling service and that you know that 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 environment the um my relative independence from the rest of your life the the purpose you know you were coming for support with things that you were struggling with I think you being very pragmatic and logical and um you know, you were investing in lots of different ways in this process. And so you turned up to it and did the best job that you could. And part of that was sharing your, what we term now as vulnerabilities, um, in order to uh, to be understood, to be supported. And I think that's why it was possible for you, maybe acknowledging that the 
leaning into your vulnerabilities was going to be needed outside of this space where you were required. I mean, you required yourself to do it. And I very much was helped in supporting you by you doing it. But it it was definitely not something that was going to be easy for you to consciously move towards outside of your sessions. I remember. It wasn't. And I think I was trying to be proactive. <coughs> I had gone into a depression before Brian passed away. Someone had said it was a, a, a precursor of knowing what was coming up and just shutting down. And I, I hated it. I hated going through that depression. I felt so out of my own character. I never wanted to happen again. And so I sought your help. And in doing so, you feel like you're doing something to, to ward off this horrible feeling coming back. And I wanted to know how I did it and how, what steps I needed to take. And that was one of the first ones that you mentioned to me. And I thought, um, I'm going to struggle with this, but it, it did really help. And I didn't get back to it. I think, again, knowing the trigger points, knowing, listen, I'm not really getting out and speaking to people. I'm, I'm not buying things like I would normally do. It points to, okay, am I going back into that depression? And if you've been there, you don't want to go back. So you do anything you can to change course. Yeah. That's what we, that's how, where we started. Yeah. yeah and I, I remember saying to you early on in the, the sessions, probably in the first session, actually, when I was introducing the way in which I work, that it's about acknowledging those things that maybe feel too difficult to be with on your own or in the presence of those that are used to you being a different way, just allowing them to be there because they are there anyway and finding maybe what's helpful, acknowledge and taking that with you, you know, and that, you know, we, we, we looked at that, but also looking at what's not helpful about it. And I think that's where the proactivity came in, which is saying, you know, which parts of this vulnerability aren't helping you in your situation right now and and what else can we do you know offering some alternative perspectives and maybe something hard something that feels uncomfortable but if it's going to deal with the unhelpful aspects as well as us acknowledging what's helpful about this there's a much more um kind of um much more possibility to do something with this vulnerability even if you don't like it rather than just saying it's not a bit, I, I won't look at all because I think it gives it power absolutely and I think what I was looking for were tools that I could use and one of the the big ones that you have got me to use and I, I do this almost on a daily basis if something is worrying me or there's something that's bothering me you've told me to Give it time, let it in, give it, you know, a cup of coffee, uh-huh. but then say you're on your way. And at the end of that, give it a, a limited amount of time to, to just de- acknowledge it, I guess is really what I'm saying. But then forget or tr- do your best to forget about it. And I have used that technique many, many times, and I can tell you it works. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the, I, I wanted something concrete that I could do, a tool, you know, help me to get better. But you know tell me what it is that I need to do yeah and that you know I remember that being quite a challenge for me in the sense that I wanted to deliver some of the practices that do help now what you've described there is a form of meditation but presenting that as meditation as mindfulness as acceptance 
these terms are almost not accessible to, to somebody who is progressive, who is a doer, who wants to get on and not and not feel shit, you know? Uh, yeah. Mindfulness is one of those words that I, I think has is, is got a double edge. I, I, I know that the intent is good, but mindfulness doesn't go very far in my book. I may be doing it, but I don't like the word. <laughs> Well, and that's just like vulnerability, right? You're you're doing it, and I mean, I'm I'm uh, only personally here, not any judgment of you, but it excites me a little bit that you will use that word now because it suggests that you. I still don't. I still don't like it, but I use it. Yeah, through gritted teeth. <laughs> I think the other thing, and we've talked about this a number of times, is to acknowledge the good part about you, which I think is a very tough order for someone like me. Um, you've been harping on that for a long time. I still don't think I've gotten to the point where I can, you know, happily let things in, but that, that is a big, a big stumbling block for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, you, you're quick to acknowledge the bad in yourself, but you know, are you seeing what other people are seeing in you? And I mean, people have used words like amazing and I think I'm not amazing. And you know what? I mean, I, God, I could talk about this all day. And but one of the things that just came up for me as you said that was, it's really hard when you need to let that love in when it's um, it, it's needed to you know balm your wounds and to um, nourish you when you're going through something very difficult. And if you're not well practiced at allowing that love in in that way. Um, it, it can be really hard, not not necessarily to believe it, but just for it to get through, you know. Yeah, the... I, I think I think I do it with other people happily. You know, I'll listen to somebody's problems and I'll I may not have the solutions for them, but I'll listen and and I won't think anything less of them. But when it comes to me, I, I seem to have a different criteria. Mm-hmm. And and that was my money slide for you because it was like, well, why do you? not deserve it when everybody else does yeah. and that, you couldn't argue with the logic there <laughs> well I could but I, I wouldn't get very far <laughs> you were determined <laughs> yeah I was <laughs> and it worked I, I don't think I'm great at it yet but I'm trying it's a practice it's a practice life is a practice oh yeah yeah absolutely um, you know, a, another way in um, uh, that we personalized one of the practices that I talk about there, you know, what, what you're talking about there is gratitude. And gratitude is a really great stress reliever, um, a great way to um, redirect a negative thinking mind into something a bit more realistic and you know it's very easy as a therapist to say oh do all of the mindfulness the gratitude the self-love the you know but sometimes that stuff is just so distant from the reality of day-to-day life and I really appreciated how you challenged me to make these practices um, accessible, palatable, uh, even to you in a way that was meaningful. And, and you know, you weren't going to let me off the hook because I was there to support you and do the right thing in kind of providing these very soft um, uh, subtle nuance kind of more eastern um, traditional ways of being with ourselves as a human 
and shoehorn those into your, you know, New York uh, um, kind of grind. Yeah. We, we want culture. instant gratitude, don't we? I mean, we, we want an instant. We want to be able to put some a Band-Aid on something, a plaster on something and have it be fixed. Mm-hmm. We don't necessarily want to go through the long process of meditation and, you know, I know it's good for you and I, I, I have tried to practice it in the past, but I, I need something that, that works quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are no quick fixes, unfortunately, <laughs> these things. So and yet when you start practicing and you are disciplined and dedicated, which is where that kind of New Yorker, you know, real kind of um, Western, uh, you know, work hard ethic came in. You were like, well, look, like you turned up to the sessions, you're like, look, I'm here to do a job and I'm going to do it. and I'm going to do it well, even if that involves doing some things that are totally um, well might seem anathema but actually a complimentary you know you can work with them all but it it, was foreign to me at first you know it it, I didn't I wasn't just saying yes to things I wanted to know what what it was going to do for me I think the the revelation of it working when when it it first works for the first time you think well wait a minute there's something to this and you know I'm not one that will say that something is good when it's not good but when you see the changes in yourself, I think that really helps. And I think it helped with the stress too. And with Parkinson's, stress is Parkinson's biggest enemy. All, all my symptoms get a lot worse when I'm in, under stress. So if I could bring myself to a more level point, it helped me in, in all ways. Yeah. And, you know, having, I mean, we will come on to the Parkinson's. I wanted to um, kind of stay with the grief just just for a moment. The Parkinson's definitely is relevant. Um, But one um, really important aspect of when, as as you referred to earlier on, we lose that part of ourselves through the passing of somebody that's so vital to our sense of who we are there is a need to develop new ways of being so that you can reconnect with that person that you knew yourself to be in the presence of, in your case, Brian. And, you know, I'd, I think I remember saying to you at one point, you know, fortunately for you, you haven't needed these practices of paying attention to your pain, sitting with it, looking at what's helpful, taking that with you, getting rid of what isn't, finding other ways, you know, all of these different things, this gratitude and this self-love, you know, how wonderful that pre-Brian Passing, you didn't need to do that for yourself because he was doing all of that for you. Exactly. He was my cheerleader. And then when you have to turn into your own cheerleader, it's a little bit, it's, it's an odd feeling. And... I think it takes some getting used to that you've got to be your own advocate and it it takes some concentration and it takes some, you know, putting down your sword that you're doing things wrong, that maybe you're doing things right. And it's quite a process. I I think I'm still going through it, but what, what I was also losing was my personality. Part of my personality was being heavily affected by the loss of Brian and by changes in my life generally. And I've been diligently working on trying to find the old sin because she was okay. You know, we talked about the 
the song, The Girl Who Used to Be Me, Used to Go Dancing. I wanted to be the girl that I used to be, and I had to do some digging to get to her. And I'm still doing it, but it's nice when I see her. It's nice to have her back. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, she, she was always there for me. It's really interesting. And that was part of my... I suppose insistence that you were able to start seeing yourself through through my eyes a little bit more and, and through the eyes of those that love you and and were supporting you. But it's just like that stuff wasn't getting in. And, and I think it's because you hadn't needed to appreciate yourself in these more challenging ways. And by allowing that, allowing these other sides of you, almost like allowing the pain if you like it allowed you to then access some of the more kind of delicious memories of, of your life with Brian almost like with yourself you know by acknowledging these newer parts of you that you know the grieving sin the sin with Parkinson's these things were all kind of a similar time you're like well who am I now and how do I be this you know find that spark again I think we talked about it um you know, how, how, how can you be all of this? How can you integrate it all? I, I think you do lose a little bit of yourself in a, a very good relationship. And that's not a bad thing. But when the person is now gone, you, you really need to have that part of you back. And sometimes it takes, like I said, I said before, a little digging to get to, to remember who I was before Brian. It's a long time ago, but you can do it. And like I said, when you get a glimpse of a bit of your old good personality, it's like, oh, nice to see you again. Yeah. Please stay for a while. <laughs> yes. Help me ward off this other stuff that keeps coming in to try and take over me. <laughs> and, you know, as you said earlier on, part of the ways that you did connect with that old sin that you know that sparkiness you know was was through story I mean I thoroughly enjoyed hearing some of the story of your life you know pre Brian you know you were out touring all around the world hearing about your earlier life in the states that music was such a big is such a big part of how you connect to yourself the music the stories um, and maybe just just telling those stories and having my responses maybe helped you reconnect back. Absolutely, because when I look back, I've had a wonderful life. I've had, you know, we all have our tragedies, but I have had a, a super life. And I've carved some of it out myself and some of it just came by luck. But I'm very grateful for for what I have, my, my upbringing as a child, I had a, you know, idyllic childhood. I had wonderful parents, wonderful supportive family. So, you know, I want to look back. I want to, you know, see, you know, where I came from and what made me, me. So it was a reflection, reflective time, but it was a good reflective time because generally speaking, all my memories are good ones. So I've been a very lucky lady, very lucky. Well, it's 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 a it's an ongoing privilege to be alongside you with those parts of you that aren't as easy to be with, so that you can continue to be connected to that. Which I is... think the the big thing is trying to be positive. I mean, some sometimes it sounds Pollyanna like, you know, but you really have to try to remain a positive because whether it's grief or 
depression or something like Parkinson's, which is a real foe, you've got to have you've got to be able to see some silver lining in it. You've got to be able to see some benefit. And that's hard. It's hard staying positive. But if you can, it really your attitude is everything. And you do have control over that. Sometimes you you go to a low point, but again, it's like saying, okay, come in for a while, but don't stay too long. Exactly. Exactly. And that the power of being able to hold various states at not necessarily at once, but all together, um, rather than be continually in that depressive state you know I <clears throat> I often talk about in, I mean I think in our sessions same I don't think there's a session goes by where we don't laugh several times As you know? it should be. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, and, I, and I say to clients when they come for the first session my hope is that by looking at this stuff you'll see that you don't have to be so frightened about it and it's not all doom and gloom you can look forward to sessions you can enjoy this experience of getting to know yourself differently and 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 those things that maybe felt like they had to be hidden because they were too dark actually by us you know and I talk about this all the time shining a light on them and and realizing that there can be moments of light in in those darker periods they get you through you know they yeah there's something it. about there's something about saying you're scared or you know you're you're, you're mad or whatever it is that just it's liberating yeah. and it gives the, the other person in, in this case you a chance to work on that to focus on it and I think we live a very busy lives and sometimes we don't focus we don't sort of take stock we do things very fast being a New Yorker that, that's sort of bred into me <coughs> but I think you can just stop things for a while to be just to, to be able to reflect on it, think about it, maybe give yourself the, the time that you would give a friend. Yeah. It doesn't come naturally to me, but I think it has helped. And I, I, I'm taken back again to, um, you know, the wonderful life that you've had. And, it, you know, it, it, it sounds like a version of the American dream, you know, and um, one thing that well not one thing but something that when I was trying to introduce um you know a more reflective introspective um peaceful um kind of appreciating the the, the darker the the more vulnerable aspects of life you know it, it felt very at odds with what had meant that you had that wonderful life you know and, and I'm I, I was thinking about you know when you know all of the stuff that was going on with Donald Trump at the time and and thinking this is the worst of America and and I was I was trying to hold a sense of how we do need everything that he isn't but actually we do need a lot of what you know it gave me a new hope and appreciation for some of that kind of working hard being positive but not necessarily in a toxic way introducing that balance to to see all of the wonder that has has led you to have the life that you've had before now absolutely and we're not we're not Donald Trump thank god mm-hmm. we're we're our own person you are born with an ethic of needing to to fix things though make things right yeah. And I 
I think that will never leave me completely. I'll always want to fix things and make things right for other people. But I have to remember I've got to do it for myself first. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, another thing that felt really important and unique about our relationship is that I... And I'm going to be revealing some of my process now, which I hope is okay with you, because um, I don't think that I've talked to you about this yet that much. I'm not sure, but Going I will. To my deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go ahead. you you've done it, so I, I I will too. In this context, um, there was something about how I <clears throat> let me set this up better so in the last couple of um podcast episodes that i have talked with my sister and then in the post holiday reflections episode i was talking about how my um when i was growing up there was kind of a, a, a me not getting everything that i might have needed emotionally from um from my from my mom and part of that is quite an independent streak where I want to be there for everybody else and and not, not necessarily fix but you know be there for them while they figure out how to move through things I prefer that language and what happens in sessions often with clients you know when they um, ask me how I am as that kind of polite human exchange and caring obviously I know it's always genuine you know, I will answer, but there was an additional level of you having interest. It felt that I could, sorry, there was there was the interest that you had. And there was this additional level of me trusting myself, probably because of I trusted you, um, to kind of allow that. It felt like quite a maternal energy towards me. And I will push back on that sometimes and I know clients can feel that it's like I'm not letting them in and that you know makes sense with it being a professional environment and all of that but I did I, I allowed myself to soften with that in our relationship which I think was really necessary for you and I to build the trust and um you know I was aware of of doing that and 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 benefiting from it as a secondary consequence um, Give and take, isn't it? I mean, it really is. And if so, if you know someone's got a lot going on in their life, I think you'd be less than human if you just didn't have an interest in it and wonder how things were going. And I appreciated that you answered my questions. Yeah, it was it was really lovely to just to just be able to do that in the space of our dynamic as me being the supporting person. But it really beautifully embodied that we can both be vulnerable and support each other and, and I think as I reflect on our work together that's something that you needed to hold on to while you were also going out there and being vulnerable and in some instances asking for support from other people that you support that you are you know part of their strength and and that the two can work hand in hand it's not one stronger and the other one is burdensome it can be more balanced it's more complicated than that it is I think again when you when you first do it it feels very strange but when you get a positive response as I did when I first tried out the vulnerability bit it it surprised me how well it it did work so I had to give you credit for that that was 
that was something that I never would have done on my own, mm. never. So it was a completely different point of view, but that's that's the key, trying to see it from a different point of view because you, you could ruminate the same things in your mind again and again and again if you're not listening to somebody else. Yeah. So that's why I think it really played a very, it still plays a big part in how I handle things. Sin, I'm wondering if you would be able to put a little bit of meat around the bones of that particular aspect of, of, of how you have helped yourself following this darker period in your life, following Brian. Have you got any examples that you'd be willing to share with us about how you approach them differently with this vulnerability hat on? Well, I think just jumping ahead to the Parkinson's a little bit, I'm very... I'm, I don't necessarily want to ask people for help because I want to stay independent as long as I can. So I, I use a, a rollator and sometimes I'm going upstairs and I'll have the rollator under one arm and holding on and people will rush over to help me. And I keep saying, no, thank you. I, I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I do want to remain independent as long as I can. But similarly, I think in our heads, we've got things that we have to bring upstairs or bring downstairs their loads of their own and sometimes that burden can be helped by talking to somebody and saying listen I'm having a hard time here mm-hmm. and I that was not something that I would do normally but when I did it as, for, as I said a couple of minutes ago for the first time I got such a good response that I thought well there's nothing wrong with this you know it, it's you're not losing your independence. You're not losing any part of your, your being. You just ask, I'm just going to stop there and say, there's someone who says, a person who shares a problem cuts it in half. And there is another school of thought that says, if you share a problem, you double it. And I think I was probably of the latter point of view for a long time. But because I had such a good response, I think I've switched over to the, the first and again, it's, a, it's looking at things from a, a different perspective. So I, I don't know if that's an, a, you know, specific enough for you, but asking for help when you need it doesn't come easily to a lot of people. Yeah. But in, in the case of mentally going some, through something over and over in your head, if you can get some help, do it. Whether it's from a therapist or a friend or whatever, whatever media you go through, whatever way you do it, if it helps you, that's the ultimate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and that's why it is brave and courageous to reach out because living by that story of a problem shared is a problem doubled, why would you reach out and share your difficult stuff only to, you know, supposedly burden somebody else with your problem equally when they've probably got enough of their own stuff going on? However, the, the bravery, sorry, and the bravery that comes in is taking a chance on that person to actually say, this is something I want to do for you. And even more, taking a chance on yourself to say, I'm going to let that in, you know? Yeah, that's a, that was a big big step for me but I'm glad I took it and I think I'm, I'm more apt to take it now that I've done it and had success with it can I offer that maybe one of the reasons that that went well for you is because your intuition and your your intuition told you 
that you've got to ask the right people. And That's very, very critical. Yes, you need to know who to ask and you need to trust that person, whoever it might be. And that's not an easy thing sometimes. You know, when when you're admitting a vulnerability, you want to admit it to somebody who's going to understand it and nurture it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have some people in my life that I was able to do that with. So I think I I chose well in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. It's about taking those safe risks with yourself. And by that, I mean stepping into something that's uncomfortable, but doing it in a way that doesn't push you over your edge and doesn't cause more damage. Indeed, proving that part of you right that says a problem shared is a problem doubled, you know, knowing where to go. And and we had to tune into that in terms of thinking of some of the ways that you would you would do that. And um it was very very important to pay attention and and time to how you were going to practice this new skill of vulnerability and i uh, i often talk about the counseling um relationship being like a test lab to try out these new ways of being in the safety of uh, good analogy what it provides and then you build some strength to be able to go and have enough confidence to do it in the the outer world, which is a bit scarier. Absolutely right. (laughs) Okay, well, listen, I would love to hear more about your story with Parkinson's and we've we've set that up quite nicely. Um, So I'm thinking this might be a good time to take a little break um, and then we'll return to just a short break from this wonderful show with the equally wonderful sin to let you know of a commitment which i am going to be starting on tuesday the 22nd of november You may have heard me talking about this commitment, which I have just finished on Tuesday before this podcast aired on on Wednesday. This was a Kundalini meditation and mantra practice with the just divine Kelly McClelland of Live Life Yoga UK. And... We have met at half seven every morning, sometimes seven, depending on what Kelly had on. And it has been such a transformative practice for me. My whole intention for this commitment was around discipline, trying to pay attention to what's going on for me and stay with the uncomfortable sensations to realize that for my next chapter, it's about being able to be with uncomfortable sensations and not need to distract from them, to focus on other things and and really dive in and see what the sensations have to tell me and I've been so inspired that I'm going to start another commitment on the 22nd of November which leads us up to New Year's Eve Uh, so it's a really great way to enter the new year and I'm inviting you to join me Please note that I'm not a Kundalini yoga teacher and so I will simply be sharing with you what I plan to do myself and I hope that you can join me each morning or whenever you're able to practice 
in this commitment and the particular mantra that I'm going to be using is Ad Gurai Nome and this is a very powerful mantra used for protection to gain clarity and receive guidance from one's highest self. This mantra creates a protective field of energy around those who chant it, attracting abundance which helps live out their destiny. And so I think that's a wonderful way to go into 2023. So if you're interested in joining me, then please send me an email to martinblacklock at gmail.com and I will add you to my list, which I'll send out a few days before. Plenty of time to ask me any questions and to practice before you start your well-intended new beginning for 2023. Okay, so welcome back to part two, and we have been talking to Sin for the last, uh, well, for the for the previous part of this particular show, and so far we have covered Sin's story about a beloved um, late husband Brian passing, and how that meant that Sin had to acknowledge some of the more dis- difficult aspects of grief. And uh, we talked about vulnerability and how using that vulnerability to try and help Sin through some of the grieving period has actually been helpful for her in ways that she could never have imagined. And um, and I'll, I'll take credit for, for bringing her on board with that. Um, and uh, we talked about, you know, consequently Sin has been able through dealing with her grief and facing it and depression that she's been able to access not just all of the wonderful parts of her relationship with Brian but also you know it's been a really useful way for Sin to discover herself again and and you know good old Sin and and that spark and one thing that we referenced in part one which we haven't really delved into yet and and we're going to do this in part two is that Sin was also diagnosed with Parkinson's and uh, that was kind of around the time that you were going through losing Brian as well is that right? No no um, I was diagnosed in 2008 so I've had it for a long time so this this was well before Brian's death. Okay. okay. And how, yeah, so I guess that, that thank you for, for correcting me there. So would it be okay if we, um, if you told us the story of your Parkinson's and, and how some of these themes have perhaps been applicable in that journey as well? Yes. Um, I should start by saying my, my, I have two brothers and one of my brothers has Parkinson's. So I was aware of what the signs were. Okay. It's not hereditary, so we're very, you know, very. Five percent of families have someone else who's got Parkinson's, so it's it's not prevalent. Um, I was backing out of my drive in 2007, and my left leg was moving on the pedal, and I thought maybe I had a pinched nerve, something like that. And then later that year, in November, I. I had a definite tremor in my left leg. And I knew at that moment that it was Parkinson's, but it took another seven months for it to be diagnosed. And uh, 
eight days before my 50th birthday, I got the diagnosis that I had Parkinson's. And I don't think it hits you when you first are diagnosed because you, you don't know what, I didn't know a lot about Parkinson's. I only knew what I knew from my brother's experience. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, they say it's not a death sentence, but it's a life sentence. And that is certainly true. And for a, a long period of time, I had very few symptoms and it was just a nuisance. But as time goes on, it is a progressive disease. It, it doesn't have a cure and they, they don't have great drugs to, to, in fact, the drugs that they have cause problems as well. So it's, it's quite a, a puzzle. You're never the same from one day to the next. Um, you, I, I never know which sin is going to show up in the morning, so I have to sort of act accordingly. Um, it can ease it, it. You can easily get depressed with Parkinson's, and it does go hand in hand with Parkinson's. So you have to be very aware of what your attitude is and what how you are feeling. And I just didn't want to become the person with Parkinson's. I didn't want it to take over my life. I've got lots of other aspects of my life that have been unaffected. And so I, I've been trying very hard. I learned as much as I could about it. I went to a few Parkinson's Congresses. Okay. So I, I was inundated with information. Try to keep on top of the research. But again, I don't want it to take over my life. It, it's part of my life, but it is only a part of my life. And I deal with it as best I can but it's every day. It's with you all the time. How often, sorry, how long would you say that it has been with you every day, uh, you know, as something that you are consciously working with? When did it start to require that extra level of attention? I think between 2008 and 2000, and let's say 14, I'm going to say, I had what they call the honeymoon period, which is you're aware of it, but you're not really being affected by it. But then things get more complicated. You have trouble getting dressed. You have trouble doing things that require dexterity. Um, you can't turn over in bed. I mean, there are so many things that people would have no idea unless they knew someone with Parkinson's that it, it affects so many aspects of your life. Um, I've been fortunate in that Many people have a masked expression. Well, I still have a very expressive face, so I haven't had that part come around. And I think what you what you really have to do is you have to focus on the things that you can do rather than the things you can't do. And as long as you do that, you can get by. But it, it's been, I would say, since about 2014, it's been something where I've had to really fight it every day. Okay. Yeah, that's a long, well, almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, um, and, and simply because we can't cover everything in your sessions, you know, it's a snapshot of the parts of your life that need attention. Um, I wasn't aware that you had been dealing with Parkinson's and its effects for as long before Brian passed as, as, as you were. And it's shed a little bit of a different light on losing him. Was he uh, a key part of you managing your Parkinson's? Was he involved? Or? I, I always, there was a big age difference between Brian and I. And I think I always thought I would be taking care of him. Uh -huh. 
as we got older. Um, <clears throat> I didn't like the idea of him having to take care of me. And I don't think he really had to. I think for the most part, even to this day, I'm handling it on my own. But <laughs> I think he was just, he was very taken by the fact that I had it. And I, I think when we were first, when I was first diagnosed, I didn't cry, but Brian cried. Mm. It's, you know, he, he, he was very sad that I had it. And there wasn't much that he could actually do about it, but he was a great support, of course. So, is um, was again? This is something I don't know, so I, I can ask you. And if, if, if you know, well, if, if it's comfortable, it's comfortable to answer. And if not, then you don't have to. But I'm I'm wondering with some of the um, the ability, perhaps, to or the familiarity of being with more difficult emotions and kind of holding that space for himself and you was that something that was kind of a feature of your relationship that he he, he could sit with those other emotions that you weren't familiar with he was much more emotive than I am um in general uh he he I think he was very at he was comfortable in his own skin so if he felt like crying he cried if he felt like you know he he wasn't a worrier, so he he dealt with things just as they were, and I think I would I would try to hide my emotions most of the time. I don't know where that comes from, but that's <laughs> for another session. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and just thinking of how the reason I asked that was because you know that there is that word vulnerability coming up again, and you had. A pillar of strength beside you while you were going through trying to in- integrate the vulnerabilities that come with with uh, dealing with Parkinson's but I can see how it would you know how losing him in itself is painful but then what that meant for you as a person that was struggling with park dealing with Parkinson's and and, and maybe noticing how much him being alongside you meant dealing with Parkinson's was was that bit more comfortable and then him not being just a whole different kind of approach might have been needed by you. Yeah, I think I I, I didn't want to give in to the Parkinson's and uh, we didn't talk about it very much, to be perfectly frank. It wasn't that big of an issue for a long time, so we could sweep it under the carpet for a while. But I remember going to Lord's Cricket Ground and for the first time, I was more of a liability than he was as far as walking. And I think that opened both our eyes. So, but he was, he was very supportive. Yeah. So Parkinson's, it has progressed in the last few years more so than it had done in that in that first kind of six or seven years um would you say the rate is is quite fast at the moment or is it set you know do do you have periods where it speeds up and then slows down again how does it work that's the problem people don't know how it works it's I, i would say the biggest 
part for me to to adjust to was the lack of balance. And I was, there came a time when I knew I had to have a walker or a rollator or something like that to be able to function. But once I gave into that, then I really took off because when I had rollator, I would travel and I love to travel. So I didn't let it stop me. So it was a mixed kind of feeling. I didn't like to be the lady with the walker, but the lady with the walker just went to Istanbul. So, <laughs> <clears throat> well, and I think this is how, and I, I want to hear about that in a moment, but um, th- th- I think this is how acknowledging the truth, which is that there is some vulnerability, that what you are working with, what, what, that part of you that is constant, that uh, fiery, sparky sin that's always been there and always will be there. Now you're working with a different body. Now you're working with out Brian by your side in the way that he was. And to have kept resisting the truth and all that comes with that, you may have not been as free as you are now. And because you, I don't want the rollator, I don't want that walker, I I am not going to let my sadness overcome me, even if it's just for 10 minutes a day. I won't do that. Actually, it would have taken you over and you wouldn't be as free as you are. And at the same time as you continue to have to adjust to what the Parkinson's is doing for you on a physical level which I know is hard it seems that when you've added in a recognition of where you're at now rather than resisting it you really embody the the person-centered approach of the founder of the person-centered approach the the um the approach within which I work a quote that that uh, describes that is the curious paradox is that when I accept myself as I am then I can change. And that, that acceptance has, has led to you doing some pretty amazing things since in the time I've known you from, you know, being stuck in that house, you know, feeling really sad and unable to, to move forward, be proactive. You've, you've just been to Istanbul, right? How was that? Right. It was wonderful. I mean, a very challenging city to have a rollator or a walker in because the streets are cobbled and they're on very sharp angles. <clears throat> but I think what happens is anytime I do something like that, I, my confidence grows because I did it. And I, I think that really helps you, you plan the next trip. And I'm going on a cruise in a few weeks on my own. And, you know, I just want to, I want to do as many things as I can while I can. And it's an excuse to do them. And it it brings, (laughs) I mean, people think they have loads of time and hopefully they do, but I've got an excuse to do things now. And I I, I like that. What a fantastic and motivating way to use illness to live. You know, my illness is an excuse to live. It, that's how I, I, I do look at it that way. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I've, I've, it, when I have any miss, I'm going to start that over again. If, if I feel like I can't do something, I think, well, why can't I do it? And most of the time I can come up with reasons why I can do it. So it, it gives you a license 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it makes use of all that you had practiced in your life leading up to Parkinson's, leading up to, leave it, uh, to, to Brian passing. And the only bit, the only bit that needed some attention was there are some things I can't. And I've got to accept those and, and, and allow them. And then I can use all of that stuff that I have in abundance. You know, the, the, the proactive muscles in your body, mind and emotions, you know, you can really put them to good use as long as you attend to the reality of where you're at. And, you know, that you would, I mean, I, I, I know about the cruise and um, one of the things that really, um, that made me so happy was when you and I talked about the fact that you had booked another cruise and, you know, all that we've talked about that leads to you being able to recognise that need to travel and find ways to do it, acknowledging the vulnerabilities, etc. You booked it all, you did it. And remind me, was it was it cancelled or was it? No, I had a, a, a cruise booked in June and it was to the fjords in Norway and I was looking forward to it very much. And on the day before I was supposed to leave, my appendix decided it didn't want to go. <laughs> so I ended up instead of on a balcony cabin, the operating room at Carlisle Hospital. <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those things that just happened. <laughs> and I remember but, very yeah. quickly afterwards talking to you, and you know your your kind of philosophical stance, your your resilience at that time was so strong because you said, "Look, this is this is what it is." You know, I'm. I wasn't meant to go. I'll go again. Just because I wasn't able to go on that cruise doesn't mean I wasn't able to go on any cruise. And I think that's that's a lesson I have to learn in Parkinson's. Just because you can't do something on one day doesn't mean that you're never going to be able to do it again. It just may maybe a little blip. And if you can put up with that, the uncertainty of what's going to happen, I think you can have a pretty happy life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this traveling um, has been a key part of you reconnecting with the old sin, finding her again in this, um, you know, in this in this body that you now find yourself in and, and not with Brian. And, you know, that 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 spark inside of you, I think, has made that happen. And I think going back to the US, which you've done a couple of times now, right, since we've known each other has been a really important part of you expressing that old sin. Yeah, there's help out there if you need it. I mean, um, when I go to the airport, I get wheelchair assistance and I probably couldn't do it if I didn't have that, but I have that, so I use it. And I, I think you really just have to try to be unstoppable. Unstoppable. I think if you think that way, then there aren't too many things that get in the way. You think, well, I can do that. <clears throat> and the obstacles, I guess, just give you more of an opportunity to practice that unstoppable nature that, I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if anything was going to go on your epitaph, it would be, that would be a word, you know, <laughs> unstoppable. Uh, well, that's how I feel now. I mean, I don't know how I'll feel a year from now. But I want to do things while I can. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I've got to tell people, I mean, you, you don't know how long you have either. So don't put off things too long. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And And you can still put some things on hold to attend to what needs to be attended to so that you can crack on and do what you want to do. It's both. And I, I get a lot of joy from traveling. And I mean, one of the things that you said to me not that long ago was to grab onto any joy that you have and, you know, just do it because that's what life is all about. If you can find joy doing something, do it. Even if at times you have to drag yourself kicking and screaming, go because it will be worth it because it's that darkness that's trying to win. And yes, we have to acknowledge it, but it doesn't mean that it it will rule. It's often looking at what you fear, looking at what's difficult and finding a way to integrate it is how you stop it from taking over. With Parkinson's, I mean, if you ask me to do something at 9.30 and I'm not feeling well, I'll feel, feel like I can't do anything all day. And then two hours later, I'll feel much better. And so I never say no to things. Yeah. I try to say yes. And then if I have to cancel, I'll cancel. <clears throat> yeah, that's and that that's a gift to those who are around you, you know, knowing that you will sometimes say no. I think that makes you more trustworthy that when you're turning up, you're doing it because you can. You know? Yeah, exactly. Again, people can adapt. Yes. The goalposts change. They um, Something that you might thought that you couldn't do if you try you probably can you just have to not put limits on yourself that's it and there's that kind of american dream coming in again you know i don't think that ever i don't think it dies i think you still want to do things no matter how compromised you are well you're definitely the embodiment personification of that and that's why you are inspiring. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I know a little bit of it's getting in. That will do. That will do. <laughs> okay, Sin. Look, we're almost at the end of um, this wonderful uh, conversation. Um, <clears throat> I'd mentioned to you that part of what I do on the podcast is offer an oracle card reading to give you some guidance that you might need at the moment. Um, so is there anything else that you feel we may have said we were going to cover or that you would like to before we move into the last part of the show? No, I, I think the positivity, if you can keep on, if you can hang on to that, there's so much doom and gloom in the world right now. And it's very easy to be cynical about things. And it brings you down. Sometimes people can bring you down. I think you've got to try to remain positive and trust your own instincts and do what's right for you. But if you can stay positive, you're going to be, I think you're going to be a lot happier in general. To not let things completely overwhelm you and seek help when you need it. That's it. And, you know, this idea of positivity, I hope that what we've covered in the show today is it's not just paying to smile on and be happy no matter what. It's 
look at what is getting in the way of your positivity, attend to it and still be positive. You know, it's, it's the both. Um, and I think that's been a part of your journey. And it's about finding that positivity in a different way that accounts for you being where you are and that you are equally deserving of doing that work, um, of being positive, even though it's harder than it once was, but that it does not leave you because it's, it's a part of you. I'm happy. I'm happy that it is. Me too. Me too. <laughs> okay, so I have the wonderful oracle cards here by Sophie Bashford, goddesses, gods, and guardians. And when using oracle cards for guidance, it can be really helpful to come up with an open question about something in your life that you would like to receive guidance on. So, you know, a why, what, where, when, how question about something that maybe is there, you know, and kind of that you ruminate over, you know, what would it look like if I did this? How is this going to turn out? That sort of thing. And what the cards do is provide a prompt from the, um, well, the imagery, the, the story of, of the deity and some of the meanings and can help you tune into some of the answers that you might have about this particular question. Um, so as I've been talking there, um, if you've come up with a question, then that's great. And if you don't need to where, share where will I Where will I be living in two uh, years time? Oh, okay. Thank you for sharing it. That's brilliant. Um, and so what I'm going to do now is just shuffle the deck so that the energy from the last time I used it has been dissipated and it's fresh. And so gods, goddesses and guardians, please reveal sacred truths about Sin's question about where she will be living in two years time. And I'm sure that Sin will receive this guidance with an open heart and mind. So I'm going to split the cards into three here. And I'm going to, through you, decide which deck is going to be the right one to go with. Okay. And then I'm going to keep splitting them until I end up with one card that is the one for you. <clears throat> okay, we're nearly there. This is a new way of uh, separating the decks out that someone taught me yesterday. So I'm quite enjoying working with it. How exciting. <laughs> oh, right. We're down to the last three. Okay. Okay. So we have a DT. And it says underneath here, expand your consciousness. So Aditi is wearing a lovely ruby red and gold, um, looks like a sari. Um, she's got her arms open like this, a very um, kind and mothering kind of maternal look on her face. And then there's this swirling purples and blues which is all about intuition and communication um so uh i will read you the guidance from the card sim and let's see what she's got to say for you <clears throat> so aditi now aditi actually came up with my sister which is really interesting as she's about to embark on a new part of her life 
Um, and she came up for me too the other day so that she's around quite a lot at the moment. So, Aditi, expand your consciousness. See the bigger picture. The universe is opening you up. Look up at the sky, the clouds, the stars, planets, and the endless expanses stretching out in all directions. You are part of a vast, limitless consciousness and a divinely ordered universe. It may be hard to remember this right now as you're consumed with all the details, problems and demands of everyday life. You might feel restricted, confined or limited by your circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you've been spending too much time indoors or listening to inflexible, narrow ideas. Uh -huh. Aditi invites you to gaze upon the sky outside your window. Her expansive energy swirls around your tight forehead, freeing up your mind. She says you've reached an impasse because you've become closed to alternative options. It's easy mm. to get locked inside your own head. You can get stuck in a rut and only see dead ends and foregone conclusions. So open your consciousness, connect with the divine mind and feel the rich expansiveness. You're not limited and I'm here to show you the extensive possibilities and plentiful resources that are always available. Widen your perspective, stand up and stretch out your arms to the universe. Be open to unexpected blessings surprising solutions and new avenues of understanding. Your guidance from Aditi is to broaden your horizons, mentally, physically or spiritually. Be curious. It sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> so some additional meanings. Don't take this situation personally. Study philosophy or ancient knowledge systems such as astrology or Ayurveda. Travel or move abroad. <laughs> <laughs> Get a second opinion and develop your connection with spiritual guides. Very good. So Isn't the message to take with you and to um, perhaps repeat as an affirmation while you come up with the answers to this question my mind is open and flexible. I'm willing to expand. Sounds good. How was that for you? It was fun. Yeah, that's it. It can just help you maybe um, feel seen by yourself and the situations that are going on around you and maybe give a bit of confidence that uh, you can answer your question. I think that sounds great. Okay, Sin. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy life. And, uh, you know, I, I'd said to you when we talked about you coming on the podcast that it felt really important to help you see some of what I've been trying to communicate to you through sharing your story and having other people be inspired and I'm pretty sure that there'll be a lot of feedback on this particular show. Um, and uh, I just, you know, I, I am continually um, 
inspired by you and you know that line that I haven't heard you say before that your illness is an excuse to live um feels you know really important for for me to take with me and I I hope that the listener will also take lots from this conversation and I hope that for you as well that this is something that adds to your life and um, just a, a real pleasure to spend any time with you but particularly this today and I really really appreciate it. You've added to my life Martin. Well thank you so much for allowing me to and um and you know I appreciate the support you give me as well um we can do that even though you know my main role is to support you um we both help each other home to a pay a, a place of peace contentment and excitement that's what it's all about absolutely well listen you take care have a wonderful cruise and um I will speak to you soon Thanks, Sin. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, Sin. Isn't she great? (laughs) I mean, as if this is my work, you know, getting to spend time with somebody like that. Just so inspiring. Um, You know, Sin's... The work with Sin reminds me of when I first started training as a counsellor and my supervisor then, who is still my supervisor now and, and she is wonderful, she said something to me when I was stressing over basically trying to be good enough. And what she said to me was, I wish you could see what I see when I look at you. And as I say that now, it brings a really warm feeling into my heart, into my belly, and a bit of a lump in my throat. Sin really embodies this. She is so endearing in the fact that she doesn't realize how great she is and what she offers to the world. And, you know, that's also not that helpful to her at times, as you've heard. So I hope that you can maybe be inspired by this in yourself. Maybe consider how those that love you the most view you. And if you aren't able to see yourself in the way that you imagine they would see you, question what gets in the way of that and work on that, please. Because we have to be able to see ourselves from a realistic perspective as you focus on all of the bits that need work and yeah they might need work but as you only focus on them you miss so much about yourself which is wonderful and a lot of that involves those things that you might struggle with you know those prickly areas those places where you feel vulnerable But I can assure you in those areas that you struggle with the most is where your magic is. Those places that you hide who you are. Please show them to the world. This gorgeous quote which is, shine your weird light so that your other weirdos know where to find you. (laughs) Do that. It's it's really fun when you do. Anyway, I'm going to close this session now. This session, this show. It's me in therapist mode by thanking you as always i can imagine that there's going to be quite a lot of feedback for sin so please send that to me at martinblacklock at gmail.com and i will pass it on to her and we will have another show next wednesday it will be with a guest i'm not sure who 
but I think we're going to have a man. There's been a shortage of male energy, masculine energy on this podcast, and so I'm bringing it. Don't worry. I've got three guests lined up, and they've got so much to say. So, uh, yes, there will be an interview, hopefully with a man, next Wednesday. And I'm also looking forward to doing my next solo episode where I'm going to share with you my dark night of the soul experience. I idiotically signed up to do an Ironman distance event five years ago. Yeah, it'll be five years ago now. And it took me to the very edges of what was comfortable for me and there was all kinds of stuff that went on an emotionally abusive relationship while i was at my most vulnerable thankfully that you know he walked away and set me free uh so yeah it's it's a really great story even if i do say so myself so that will also be coming as an additional episode in the next couple of weeks and in the meantime as always get strong Whatever that might mean for you, stay open, always be kind, and try to be grateful. It's really healing. Lots of love. Bye-bye.